Hello and welcome to the Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I'm your host and I'm very excited to be joined as usual by my co-host and partner in crime, the Fulham Flyer, the Shawangunk Express. He is the Sabrina Little to my Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Phil Vondra, welcome to the Pain Cave. Very nice intro. I was hoping you might save that for our Halloween, but uh, it's a good one nonetheless. I'm sure I can come up with some sort of terrible Halloween pun when it gets there. (laughs) Phil, so we, it will be terrible. Phil, we have been on an unbelievable hot streak with guests recently, and tonight is no exception. We have one of the most decorated athletes in American trail and ultra running history joining us on the podcast today. Uh, his list of accomplishments is too long to even account, but uh, suffice to say he's a former world mountain running champion, a former world 100K champion, uh, multiple-time U.S. champion, a four-time member of the world cross-country team, which is some people think the hardest team in the world to actually make, four-time Olympic trials qualifier, and his crowning achievement, possibly the only four-time champion in the history of the Dining Hall Classic. He runs for Solomon and Goo. Joining us all the way from Oregon, please welcome Max King. Max, welcome to the Pain Cave. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's good to be on. It's great to have you. Max, we're going to get into a little bit of what's been going on with you recently and what's coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks, because we're all very excited for the big show out in Olympic Valley. But before we get into that, Phil, what are we drinking tonight? Tonight, I'm going with a, it's called a New American Hoppy Ale. It's uh, brewed by foreign objects, and it's called Mind, Body, Light, Sound. So cool. it's this. Nicely done. I have a main beer company lunch. Love their plain oh, nice. labels. Have a sip of that, Max. What are you drinking? I've got a Deschutes Brewery. Uh, it's a Teensy Hazy Ale. Teensy because it's three percent, so it's a, a nice, easy drinking, nice. Yeah, light, it sounds good. Light beer, so it's good for a hot summer day. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Ooh, very good. So, Max, we're super psyched to have you on. Uh, you just got back from, I believe, the Solomon kind of young athletes trail running camp. Can you tell us a little bit about what was going on there? Yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, so we've done this before. We've done, you know, some real kind of youth uh, oriented ones in the past, like the Solomon Running Academies. This one is a little bit different, uh, more ge- like geared toward a little bit of an older crowd and older I mean, like later twenties, mid twenties or so rather than like 18 year olds. And, right. um, but it was, um, you know, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, we'd like to see kind of what's up and coming, who's out there, um, in that, in that trail world and stuff, get together with some of the younger athletes in the sport, um, give them some resources to, you know, some ways to ask questions of other athletes who have more experience, um, and stuff like that and kind of just, introduce them to that trail running world because i feel like you know when when we were kind of coming up in it it was kind of one of those things like you just kind of did it on your own and you did you you were following like guys like scott jurek and how kerner and stuff um but there there wasn't a ton of resource out there there wasn't like a lot of people you could go to ask questions to and so we kind of had to figure out a lot of things on our own so uh, this is just another way to kind of yeah, get the word out there and, and give those younger athletes a resource to and a place to ask questions and stuff. So it's it's you know it's awesome. It's fun. We get to go somewhere really cool and run for a couple of days and and see a lot of like youthful energy and and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. Nice. Where was it this year? Moab. Yeah. Oh we wow. Were in Moab. Oh wow. Yeah. Amazing. Well, that doesn't suck. Can't, can't beat that this time of year. Yeah. So. No, no it sounds incredible. How many athletes? 
Uh, we had, so this year was a little bit different in, in the fact that we kind of split it up. So usually we'll just have one camp and it'll be like the younger athletes will be kind of geared toward that shorter distance uh, race. This year, we actually took a whole bunch of applications to it um, and we split them into two different groups. So we had four days with a short distance group is what we were calling them. And then four days with a long distance group. Um, we were trying to kind of split it up between age groups of like 25 and younger and then 25 and older and realized like, I think during that application selection process that a lot of these athletes, like some of the good ones were geared more toward long distance and some of the older athletes were maybe geared toward shorter distance. And huh. so they decided to kind of split it up based on distance. And I think it actually worked pretty darn well because we had like this, this cool group of, um, younger, uh, athletes that were geared towards shorter distance. And it turned out three of three of them actually all went to Western, um, in Gunnison. And so they all knew each other. We didn't even know that. Oh, nice. Um, and then one, uh, one of the guys was from, uh, from Maine. He's a young, uh, track athlete actually, who's kind of angling toward that trail running world. Um, but he's like a 13, I think he's around a 1340, 1337, 5k, somewhere around in there. Wow. Super fast. Um, he's yeah. training with Ben true right now out yep. uh, in Hanover. Um, and so a lot of potential there. He, we're going to, I think, see some good things from him. And then on that older or not the older, but the longer side, um, there were a couple of younger athletes there that were really impressive. Uh, so at canyons, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit, but we, I was running, um, for the first 30 miles with this young kid, Preston Cates. Yeah. We heard um, all about Preston on, uh, yeah, I was Debo actually going to ask you about him. <laughs> oh, he sounded mega, cool. mega fun. Yeah. Super cool. Like really good kid, like chatting away, like the first 30 miles of canyons. Uh, we kind of dropped him on a, on the big climb up to forest Hill, but like, and I thought, you know, at that point, oh, he's a young kid, doesn't have a lot of experience. Like, he's out the back and he's probably gone. We'll never see him again. And what impressed me was that, like, we finished and then a couple of minutes later, he rolls in in sixth. And wow. I'm like, dude, like, that's, that's incredible that you hung on and pushed through that pain after, you know, probably going out maybe a little bit too fast. Um, but <laughs> yeah, he kept pushing at it, head, kept right? working at it. Yeah, maybe. Um, but he's obviously got a lot of talent. Um, yeah. That wasn't his first 100K, but he came off of like a track background just last year. So he doesn't have a ton of like miles in his legs and not a lot of experience. So right. the fact that he hung on for sixth place at that race was pretty incredible to me. And mm -hmm. I was I was pretty impressed with that. So so he was out at the camp. Yeah, and he was out of the camp, so I got to get like meet him and uh, just get to know him a little bit better. Uh, and then there were uh, there were some other athletes there as well that were equally as impressive and and pretty cool too. So that's fantastic. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So let let's talk a little bit about canyons. And you know, um, you made no bones about the fact that you really really wanted to get back to Western States this year. Is this your first time back to states since 2014? Is that right? It is. Yeah. yeah. So I was there in 2014. Yep. That was, um, we actually, we just had uh, AJW on the show and that I think was his last time uh, at, at, at Western States as well, at least as a competitor uh, when he got his 10th belt, bu belt buckle. Um, and I happened to be there pacing and I, I uh, remember tracking you and, and Rob and Debo all day long. So, I mean, so it's been, it's been a minute as the kids say, I mean, seven years since you've been back there. What was it that made you decide that, that this was the time that you needed to get back? Um, it, what wasn't it? It was, it was kind of the fact that I'd forgotten. It was long enough now that I'd forgotten <laughs> about, <laughs> about that pain, pain and suffering. 
uh, like, you know, cause I did, so I did that in 2014 and then it took me like two more years till I'm like, okay, I think I could do another one. And then I did Leadville. Right. And then after that, it's been this long until I've been like, okay, now I feel like I could do another one. Oh, so you really just, just you were waiting for that ultra amnesia to kick in. Totally. <laughs> totally. And, and, and for my body to kind of come back around, I feel like too, it's like, I've been running well, like in 2016, 2017, 2018, but um, through another series of like uh, little injuries and stuff like that, not feeling hundred percent, being able to race those shorter distances was a pretty big key the last couple of years. Like I could do that, but I did not feel comfortable like jumping into a hundred because the volume wasn't there. Like I could not keep it up, um, you know, and stuff like that. So I didn't feel like I was anywhere close to where I could get back into a hundred miler. And, and now I'm there. Like, I feel like, okay, I've got this really good training block going. My body feels healthy. Like nothing, when I go for go off for a run, nothing really hurts. I mean, other than the obvious little aches and pains, but right. nothing serious. And and I can do those longer miles, and I've been able to put that that volume in that I need for that hundred miler. So, how have you managed to keep your speed for some of the shorter distances? Like you said, you've still had plenty of success racing shorter distances, even as you get into your forties now. Um, you're still able to you know run fast marathons, fast halves, ten miles, whatever it is. Um, and still compete with, with guys in their twenties. How have you been able to hang on to that as, you know, you know, attrition kind of sets in, especially with all the miles you got on your legs? Yeah. Um, you know, and I can't, I can't put a finger on exactly what that is or tell you exactly what it is. I mean, I'm definitely like, I try to keep up my speed. I do, I do workouts, um, and I do fast, hard workouts. You know, most people would say, well, those will start to slip as you reach that 40 year old age limit. And you're going to start to see your times like drop. And I haven't really, and I don't know exactly why, you know, I would point to the fact that I continue to keep, get, keep getting those in. Um, but that can't be the only thing. Um, I've done a lot of strength work over the last couple of years. Maybe that's part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe a little bit of it, it's genetics. And I'm at the point where I've still kind of got that, but it's in another two years is where I'm going to see that kind of start to take a, take a nosedive off. You know, everybody kind of says like, oh, you're going to see this like dip in your performance between, you know, and I've heard anywhere from like 38 to 44. Right. Um, and so maybe I just haven't hit that point yet, but I'm about to. Who knows, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, your your off season regimen of, of kind of just playing in the mountains and being on skis most of the winter has got to play a little bit into that, I would think, in terms of your, your longevity and your, you know, your ability to remain relatively injury free over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely longevity wise. Um, that's going to help. And I feel like I, you know, getting off of my legs a little bit and not doing quite so much volume in the winter has kind of helped over the last couple of years. And then it also like what I've really noticed is getting into more schemo stuff is just the strength that it adds for doing mountain stuff during the summer. Like I'll come into the spring and I can start running up mountains and feel pretty good about my climbing ability at that point. And I think that's kind of translated into being able to run successfully in Europe, um, in some of those bigger mountain races over there and stuff. So, you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's, let's talk a little bit about canyons. Um, you know, we, we've, uh, talked to, uh, Beth Pascal who won the women's race, uh, on our show a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, we were following along uh, with the coverage there. It was a, a really cool race on the men's side. Tell us a little bit about kind of getting back into ultras. It's been a little while since you were on the start line, you know, pre-pandemic uh, of a big ultra like that in a big field. Um, butterflies, anything like that? Uh, or is it just a pretty, uh, pretty you know, drama-free day, I guess? 
Well, except for the part was, where you got lost. Except, except for getting lost, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. There was there was a little drama there you know, inside. I, I've over the years, I've never gotten comfortable with myself and running anything over a fifty k. So every time I go into anything over fifty k, it's a toss my hands up in the air and and give it what I've got and see where the chips lie. Because <laughs> I, I never like have really felt like I've figured out that distance to where I can be comfortable knowing how the performance is going to go that day. Like I'll jump into a 50K and I feel pretty confident with like where I'm at and the, about where I expect to kind of finish, um, you know, and everything for that day is going to go relatively okay. Um, but man, a 50 miler, hundred K, I just do not know. Um, there's so many more variables jumping up to those distances and, and I'm not comfortable enough. And I think it's just that I haven't run enough, uh, to know like where I'm going to be on that day. Mm. Um, and so canyons was nice. I mean, it was a nice surprise, uh, honestly, like being able to hang with those guys, um, being up in the front and then being able to, you know, catch a couple people like Cole later in the race and be able to pass them, which, you know, gives me a huge confidence boost, you know, going into Western States, maybe too much, hopefully not too much. (laughs) (laughs) Phil, this is coming from a 100 K world champion. So I I don't know what hope the rest of us have of figuring this out. If this is the case, (laughs) (laughs) I always know that it's probably going to go wrong for me at some point, just how long I can delay that. (laughs) K. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the thing is like, it's always something going to go wrong. And I feel yeah, like a 50k, you can get through it and not have anything go wrong unless you really like are stupid and you just go out way too fast. But 100k, it's like, yeah, anything could go wrong um, yeah. after about six hours or so. And yeah, you just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. At that three hour mark, you're like, I'm having such a good race. This is so amazing. I'm so strong. I'm incredible. Six hours, you're like, oh no, this is all over. My body feels terrible. <laughs> what was I yeah. thinking? Yeah. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Kind of one of the one of the joys, I guess. Um, well, I think that's part of the reason why we do it. You know, it's that unknown totally, of yeah. like, ah, how are we? Uh, you know, how yeah. how am I doing right now at this moment? Let's throw, you know, let's get into an eight hour race and let's figure this out and see where we're at. Um, and, and that's part of it. So, right. you okay. know, it's the big challenge, yeah. the unknown. Right. If it was easy, everyone would do it, right? Exactly. Yeah any pluses or minuses? I mean, it sounds like, you know, you were able to take a lot of pluses out of it. Anything that you're taking from canyons in your build up towards Western States, things you're, you're uh, working on things you're looking forward to. You feel you did well, thing, things that you need to improve or anything like that. Well, I mean, for sure, like a lot, a lot that I took out of that was definitely positive. I mean, the race went well for me. I've had a lot of very negative races in terms of, or bad races that I've learned a lot from, I guess is mm-hmm. the other way to put that. Um, so it's, it's kind of nice to have a good race where I'm kind of like, yeah, that was a good race. I don't really feel like there's a lot that I need to really change with my training and stuff. I just need to kind of keep it going now. And so that's kind of the mindset. Of course, uh, I jumped into an uh, adventure race two weeks ago. Yeah. About two weeks ago now, um, which, you know, kind of derailed training, but I'm kind of hoping that it was on the same plane and it's actually going to help for Western, mm-hmm. but it was a four day race, hundred hours straight wow. through. So the sleep deprivation of that was phenomenal. And the, but I came out of it really relatively unscathed. I wasn't sore. I was just fatigued for a couple of days and then got back into training and then had a great weekend this last weekend, got my Western States kind of training block in. Um, like if I was down at the Western States training camp, but I just did it up here. Mm-hmm. So I got that in 
felt pretty good at that. Um, and you know, so I've got basically one more weekend to get a long run in before I kind of taper off for Western. So nice. Nice. Tell us a little bit about the adventure race. What other disciplines were, were you doing there? Yeah. So it was awesome. Um, kind of committed to that before I was doing Western mm -hmm. and we had a four person event. So you're with a, with a team of three other people. Um, it's co-ed. So we had one woman on the team. Um, and it's basically, you know, adventure races straight through no rest. Right. So we had, and it was four days. This is the longest by far adventure race that I've ever done. Um, but we started out with a 60 mile pack raft down a river, we jumped into an 80 mile bike ride, mountain bike ride up over a mountain range that took, you know, this is 80 miles, took us 20 hours to do this. Oh, um, probably about half the time we were off our bike, pushing it, um, wow. hike a bike section, stuff like that. And then kind of, uh, we had some, we had a lot of trekking sections after that. We had a couple more pack rafting sections, some more biking. Um, they were all a little bit shorter than those first two stages. Those were the first two really long ones, um, which took us a total of almost a day and a half to get through those two. Um, but it was about 300 miles total. Um, it was, you know, it was a lot of fun because I mean, we're out there, you're, you're just trekking through the wilderness in the middle of the night, uh, all day long. And we get tired, you know, what we were trying to do was we, uh, the first night we slept about an hour. So you just kind of find a spot and you throw your bivy sack down and climb in with all your clothes on sleep for an hour and you wake up shivering and you get up and you start walking and <laughs> get warm again and then you're good. And that's how, that's how the, you know, the nights go. So we slept like one hour the first night, two hours, the second night, an hour, the third night. And then, uh, the fourth night we, we started in the night, um, into a pack rafting section. And this was rough at night. Like we're all exhausted at this point and it's dark. You're sitting down and the movement of the water, you know, you can imagine like just kind of this lulls you to sleep. Mm -hmm. You can't see anything around you because everything's dark. Yeah. You have your headlamps on, but you can't see anything. Um, and so that was pretty rough. And so we kind of messed up that night a little bit and, um, all of us were exhausted. My, my partner in my boat he was in front of me like sleeping while I was out there paddling <laughs> and he'd wake up and immediately just start paddling, hoping I wasn't going to notice that he was asleep. <laughs> and then, so finally, finally we're like, guys, this is not working. We're not getting anywhere. So we pull over onto a beach and then slept for a while. But unfortunately it was like a little bit too long and we lost a couple of places uh, during that, but it was, you know, it was just an experience. All of us were new to the sport this was our first like real venture race, real like expedition length race. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just it was a cool experience, really, really different, um, than anything I've ever, I've done before. So that sounds awesome. And actually it sounds like it comes at a, at a nice time kind of in between canyons and States just to break up the kind of monotony of, of just getting after it, you know, training hard every day running wise. I mean, it probably yeah. was a nice kind of, I mean, not that it was a physical break, but it was, probably a nice little reset for you for this last little block. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, that's, you know, I kind of, it kind of got me off my legs, but at the same time, like we were out there for hours and hours. And so that, uh, that time frame, like where you have to mentally go to get through, uh, something as monotonous as that was right. totally there. So maybe a little nice break for the legs. Um, but kind of still helped with that training yeah. uh, for Western. So, yeah. Um, I, I'm going to ask the question that Phil, I know, is dying to ask, hearing you talk about staying up all night and, and uh, <laughs> being out in the woods and everything else. When are you going to run Barkley? Phil is dying to know when you're going to run Barkley. 
that's a good question. Um, I was I was actually thinking about that. I've been thinking about that for a long time. I, no that's been, way. It's <laughs> been there. You go. Of, it's been on my list for sure. Um, and I don't know. I'm hoping that maybe if it fits in, maybe it'll fit in next year. Oh so, my gosh. Oh my. Be nice. That'd be cool. That'd yeah. be great. And it's it's funny, Phil, because I don't really have a desire to do those real long, grueling hundred milers like UTMB, yeah. things like that. But for whatever reason, and Barkley just captivates me. Like yeah. I know that for me, like I am so much better at a race like Western States or a flat runnable thing. Right. Yeah. But like Barkley just uh, it just um, grabs me. It's just it's mm -hmm. awesome. And I think a lot of what it is with Barkley and things and races like that is the navigation. Right. Because I'm really yeah. into navigation. Yeah. I, I love that aspect of no trail, but you're just picking your way through the woods and you really have to rely on yourself to, to know yeah. the forest, know the woods, know what you're doing out there to get through yep. it. So yeah, I totally. like that aspect of it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, and that reading's everything, right? Just saving. You don't want to waste any time with navigation errors map and compass yeah i mean i think you need to go there and see what it's all about right i mean yeah it, I it like might, to, yeah. you might not think it's your thing but when you get there you might be like this actually is my thing well so, I, I know going into it that i'd be super stoked and it'd be like this is my thing because i mean the adventure yeah. race is exactly like that you're right. yeah. navigating to checkpoints all day yeah. long yeah. um you're hiking for the most part you don't do much running and it's all cross country it's all off trail when you are trekking. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that sort of thing. It's just, you know, may or may not be my forte of being like really fast at it, you know, yeah. but, but it's fun and I love it. So stepping outside your comfort zone is what they say. I think totally sounds totally. good. All right. Looking forward to next year then. Yeah. So <laughs> hopefully I gotta, I gotta figure out how to get in. Right. So yeah. it's a secret. <laughs> Somehow I think they'll, I think they'll pull some strings for you. I know. Well, I know, I know a few people, so. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're a couple weeks away when, when folks are going to hear this will be probably a little less than three weeks away, I guess, from the big dance. Can you give us a, a little bit of your thought process going in? I mean, this will be your second time back and that's kind of when, you know, I like starting to pick people for, you know, podium spots or, or, you know, top of the podium spots. I think it's a d difficult race to really get right your first time around. I think history shows that you really need two or three cracks at it before you really solve that thing. But you know, going back now for the second time, coming off of a really great performance at Canyons, um, what's your kind of, and, and maybe you don't want to give away any strategy or anything like that. I can assure you none of your competitors will be listening, so don't worry about that. But, uh, you know. <laughs> Way to talk us up, you know. <laughs> how, do, how, do you, how do you see the race playing out? You know, do you have a, a kind of strategy in mind with how you think you're going to approach it? Yeah, and, you know, it's like I, I ran it so long ago that, I don't know, maybe this is my rookie year again, you know, <laughs> that's what I'm worried about. It's like, I'm going in and it's been so long that I, I haven't learned anything since last time, but hopefully that's not, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully I did learn something from last time. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I think this year, I mean, I'm trying not to like throw out these huge predictions of like, dude, I just crushed Canyon. So I'm going to win or be right. like top two. It's like, no, like, have you seen the field? Yes. It's incredibly it's deep. Unbelievable. It's deep. And so, you know, right now, like my main goal right now is to run faster than I did in 2014 and hopefully learn something from that experience. That's what I would like. If I run faster than I did then, like I've, I'm going to consider that a pretty successful day. Well, if you do uh, that, you're going to have a real good shot at being on the podium because that was quite a race you ran in 2014. 
I mean, it was a good race, but I slowed down a lot over the last 20 miles. So right. if I can keep it a little steadier and, and get those, through those last 20 miles at a better clip, I should be able to shave off hopefully 15, 20 minutes or so. Right. Um, you know, it depends on the temperature, mm -hmm. um, what the times are going to look like. You know, if everybody gets out there and tries to run a 1430 with Jim, then there's going to be a lot of, a lot of carnage. Um, <laughs> and then there's going to be a couple people that are going to go under 15 hours, uh, potentially, if it's not uber hot. Um, and then, you know, you've got guys like Jim who, um, well, we don't know. Is he racing? Is he not? We don't, I don't know yet. I mean, I've heard rumors. Um, and so I guess we've got to see who ultimately is going to show up on that start line. Um, if guys like, you know, if Jim shows up, it's going to change the race. Um, if he doesn't show up, um, the field's going to be a lot different in terms of how they run it. So, um, it's going to be a, like a kind of a, a, a day of race decision on, yeah. on how things yeah. go out. Yeah. That's kind of what I, I wanted want to, to ask more you. Conservative. I, I, I wanted to ask you, like, I, I know everyone's goal is to run their own race going in, you know, you have a, a general idea of how you want to do it and what your strengths are and that sort of thing. But I, I have to imagine that it's imp impossible to ignore your competition, obviously, and just completely run your own race and not pay attention to what's going on around you. Does does the presence or absence of someone like Jim, who you know is going to run aggressively and, you know, is somebody that you can't really let get away if you're, you know, uh, having designs on the wind, it, d does the presence of, of somebody like that in the field change the way you approach it? Um. I yeah, I think it does. Like, I think it does for everybody. Everybody says, yeah, I'm going to run my own race. Right. And they see Jim on the starting line. They're like, oh, I'll let him go. But there's, there's this, there's this suction behind him that still draws everybody along a little right. bit faster than they would like to be going. Right. I mean, right. cause you don't want to let like, so there's, there's Jim and then there's Jared right behind him who doesn't want to get too far away from Jim. And then there's the, the group of five right behind that, that doesn't want to let Jared get too far away from them. Right. Cause they, there's always this chance that, Oh, maybe I can catch him. Right. And so it kind of tends to suck everybody along a little bit faster. Um, and so it kind of changes, <laughs> changes the way the race goes out for everybody. I feel like so. One of the big stories early in the year was, you know, Jim's attempt on the world hundred K record. What was it like watching that and seeing your American record go down in that performance? <laughs> it was awesome. Honestly, like, you know, I, uh, I was really happy for Jim. Um, and I could not have asked for somebody better to take that away from me. Yeah. You know, Jim's, uh, Jim's amazing. He's a great human being as well, uh, which is why I really like him. And I, I, uh, am impressed by him and I appreciate him. Um, and I think he's awesome. So I couldn't have asked for anybody better to take that away from me. So I wish, uh, I do wish he would have gotten the, the world record. That was would have um, been cool. So close. It would have been really cool. So yeah. it was so close. But it gives it gives him and some other guys uh, another shot at it too. So guys who are up and up and coming, like uh, man, I don't know who know, who knows, like maybe a Preston Cates or something like that. Um, you know, something to reach for. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, we went through a, a very abbreviated list of your long and illustrious career, and I know you hold your Dining Hall Classic Championships uh, near the very top of that list. We've now had the, the first ever Dining Hall Classic Champion on the show, and now the last ever Dining Hall Classic Champion on the show. Give us your favorite Dining Hall Classic memory. Ooh, oh, man, those memories are they're deep. <laughs> <laughs> you did get it wrong, though. You did get it wrong. So... I have to correct the record. 
because there might be a, uh, an ex-Cornellian listening to this. So <laughs> I was only a three-time winner. Oh, okay. I'm not, sorry. I did not win it for the fourth time my senior year. I actually, so this is a good memory. I got disqualified that year. Okay. So the because, story that I've always heard is that you are the reason that the Dining Hall Classic no longer exists, but I thought you had yeah. won it that year. <laughs> so you yeah. were you were official, the official was a DQ. Yeah, it was official DQ. Okay. So tell, so, tell everyone out there the, the story of why the Dining Hall Classic, why Max King is not a four-time <laughs> Dining Hall Classic champion and why the Dining Hall Classic is no longer a thing. Uh, okay. I'm coming clean. This is like airing my dirty laundry. <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, three years running, everything went clean. My senior year, I had another guy that I was racing. I don't know if you know who it is. It was Barry Kahn. We were racing. He was out to take me down that year, and he was a year below me, so he was a junior that year. Um, and we're like neck and neck. He might even have been ahead of me um, going through the last dining hall. And this is the point where I always puke. I always either throw up before it or after it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one year, I think I left the dining hall to go throw up, came back, came in, back in, finished sure. my meal, yeah, a, and then went back out. Baller move. Um, I, don't, I, feel, I feel like this is like going to confuse a lot of people now that we're talking about it. Um, but so I threw up a little bit in the dining hall. I caught it and then shoved it back down. Okay. And then it's still, <laughs> still, a, little, still legal. A, little bit, a little bit splattered, though. And I think somebody saw that. But. The, the main thing what happened was that as I was running out of the dining hall, and I think I was actually chasing Barry at this point, they're swinging doors, right? <laughs> so they swing back and forth. So it's like somebody runs through, and if they run through it, it swings out and then swings back hard. And so as I was going through it, I put my hand on it to catch it as it was swinging back into me. But I think I put my fist through the glass, <laughs> and I think I broke the window. And that right there is the reason that the dining hall classic no longer exists oh i'm so happy i finally got it on the record that's so good uh, destruction so, of college property yeah 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 so i um so yeah i got i got in pretty good trouble for that um i had to this is this is this is man this is airing everything this is my, my record, right? this, is my, this is the extent of my criminal record i got um i can't remember what the disciplinary action is called there but i i had to do community service oh my god um, they really treated you yeah. like a criminal oh yeah totally like i had to do criminal or community service a uh, couple of hours i can't remember how many hours it was maybe uh, 20 or 40. Oh um, but god. i did it at a local bike shop in town um, there was like this uh, rebuild bikes uh, for underprivileged kids in oh, town, nice. which was actually super cool. And <laughs> I really liked neat. it. I yeah. was like, oh, this is better. <laughs> Just, I'm glad I found this. <laughs> so I, I rebuilt bikes um, for a while. I, I would go down there, spend a couple hours rebuilding old bikes out of bike parts and stuff like that, put them together. It was actually really super cool. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so I, I, did, I did that. I served my community time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there's the story for you. That's, that's great. That's it. That's pretty much how and I then, heard it. I love hey, it. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. All right, Max, we're going to do 20 questions. 20 questions is what we've been doing with some of our guests who have been on a lot of podcasts before. And, you know, you're probably sick of answering all the same questions over and over. So we, we try and do 20 questions that are a mix of some running stuff and just some stupid stuff just to kind of get a little bit, you know, of a different feel to some of the interviews that you may have been on before. So these are 
you know, generally short questions. You can give us short answers. You can give us long, expansive answers, whatever you want to do. All right. Okay. These are, these are really hard because these require me to like think and not just like spew. So um, they, yeah. they are not harder than having to admit your uh, criminal past at Cornell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay. Phil, you want to go first? All righty. I will. Yeah. Um, what is your bucket list race? Uh, oh man, see Maybe what I mean. It. This is hard. This is really hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Barclay is definitely one of them. Um, escarpment trail race back in New York. That yeah, is nice. That is a bucket list race. So um, we, probably very high on the list. We, uh, yeah. you know, we can get you in there. No, we we live about yes. an hour from there. We're on that trail all the time. Okay, yeah. well, I, that's what I figured. So yeah, I, I've got to make it work one of these years. The problem is, it's in July during a week that I'm always at a running camp. And uh, I've always struggled with getting getting that time to come out there. But one of these years, I'm just going to make it happen. Yep. Yeah. So it's always last weekend in July, I think. Is that? Yeah, it's usually right. like right yeah. around the the thirty. I've done the so. suite there three years, I think, in a row now, and I've I've run it once before. Yep. Is it happening this year? Uh, so far, we think so. so we haven't yeah. gotten an official, but so far, it sounds like it. Yeah. What's your favorite race? No, uh, don't have one. They're all so different. Um, there's like some aesthetically pleasing races that I love, like Zagama, mm. Sierra all races like that. Um, but, you know, like it's hard to pick like a favorite, favorite race. Yeah. If I had to pick one, it would be Mount Marathon. In Alaska. Nice. Yeah. That looks yeah. amazing. It the, is. It's the, the videos from there are just unbelievable. Everything about it. Yeah, incredible. Everything about it. Cool. All right. Um, speed work or hills? Well... Hill work is speed work in disguise, so you can do them both at the same time. <laughs> All right, hills it is. What's your go-to aid station food? Uh, not not to sound like a elite athlete sponsored by a gel company, but goo. <laughs> it really is. I mean, that's right. Sir, <laughs> <laughs> you got a favorite flavor? Yeah, I used um, blueberry pomegranate quite oh, a nice. bit. Uh, Seventy of them actually last time in Western states. And that is one of the things I have learned since the last Western States is not to repeat that and not do that again. So my goal is to actually change it up a little bit and not do 70 goose. Yeah. So yeah. 70, seven, zero, seven, zero. Yeah. Everybody kind of seven, zero. Yeah. Holy shit. So yeah, it was, it got a little rough around 80. So I've got to change that up and we're going to do some more solid food in the beginning before yeah. we switch over to gels and we yeah. got liquid gels in there this time which are going to be great because i can get those down nice and easy yeah yep so it's yeah. gonna be good awesome yeah. cool uh do you have a coach i do not uh, i kind of coach myself have for quite a while now so have you right. have you ever worked with a coach since college oh yeah uh definitely like in the track years and stuff yeah i uh, worked with my old college coach jerry smith sure uh, who is an upstate new yorker um, worked with him for a couple of marathon buildups, uh, worked with Frank Gagliano at Oregon track club, mm -hmm. um, worked with a guy here in Bend, um, uh, Jim McClatchy, uh, for a little while as well, but, uh, for sure learned from some great coaches out there. Uh, so. Cool. What's the best book you've ever read? Ooh. Um, well, one that comes to mind right now is why we run. Bernard Heinrich. Bernard Heinrich. Yeah, yep. that's a great book. Uh, it's a great book. Uh, kind of got me thinking a lot about running and technique and everything else before Born to Run came out. 
Um, and that's one of my, one of my favorite books and something else, there was something else on my list. I mean, once a runner if for sure. like a, more of a, a, a fiction is yeah, that's you know, for, best, for a runner. St- yeah, still the best that, book ever written about running. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. All right. What's your typical weekly mileage? Trying to usually hit between 90 and a hundred. So sometimes lower, sometimes in a big buildup for like Western States, I can get a little bit more, but typically trying to hit kind of that number. Cool. Pretty, pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good round number. Yeah. Yeah. Technical trail or smooth single track? Mm, Technical. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm faster on smooth single track for sure, but I like technical trail. Mixes things up, makes you think a little bit more. Who is your all time favorite runner? You know, ah, man, that's a tough one. I mean, you can point to the greats like Gabriel Selassie. I mean, seeing mm-hmm. Kennedy Sabichelli run cross country is a thing of beauty. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, things like that. Um, but you've got, um, you've got the, the older guys and stuff that are really good. You know, I think I've got to, I've got to point back to my college coach, Jerry Smith, though. And he was old by the time he started coaching me, but his mentality for coaching and for running is what, is what I kind of strive for. He lives and breathes it. And it's all about kind of like working your ass off to get the best out of you that you possibly can. And I I love that. And I want to, you know, I always want to kind of embody that and and work really hard because I, I think that in this sport, hard work really pays off. Nice. Cool. What's the toughest race you've ever run? Uh, uh, I mean, ah, man, see what I mean? These are tough questions. I know. <laughs> well, that, I mean, and that's, and that's a tough one too, because like you're talking about like, well, like those failures that you have, right. Are really, really tough. Sure. Um, but maybe not like Western States. You got to point to that one. That's my first hunter miler. It was a, it was a success, but a failure. And I was curled up in a fetal position for two hours after that race, not able to move. <laughs> I've never been in that kind of state or that position before. So I guess, I guess I'd have to go back to that one Okay, for sure. There's some other ones out there that, you know, had like epic failures that are just rough, you know, that you stagger through the rest of the race, but nothing kind of put me in that position of like all out put everything out there that I could and then wound up like just laying there in the last, you know, for, for two hours. <laughs> well, I think that's our next question actually, Phil. <laughs> Which one? Worst DNF epic race, epic race fail. Um, I thought that was, Oh, is that not on the list? That's the same one, isn't it? No, I had said toughest race. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, I think that question kind of rolled in the whole thing there, right? I yeah, mean, pretty much. Um, kind of. Well, right. but it wasn't a DNF, though. No, I mean, no, no. Do you, uh, have, do you have a bad yeah. DNF story? All right. Well, I've got, um, I was I was pretty, so 20, 20, 2013 Mountain Running Championships. I was going in to defend my world title. Um, it was in Poland and I was running and I was running in a good position, top five or so. And it was another up down year coming down around a corner, hit like a loose baseball sized rock, rolled my ankle over 
popped and then it was it was done i mean mm. it swelled up black and blue oh, wow. couldn't walk on it that was probably like one of, that was one of those like you know dnfs that is just like really sucks yeah yeah uh, it's just bad so oh the other one the other one if you want to know sure so yeah. my worst my worst dnf and now that i think about it was back in college cross country i made it to cross country national championships division one one and only time i ever qualified for it my senior year started off start line had really high hopes i was trying to go for all american that year <clears throat> somebody steps on the back of my shoe within the first 800 meters no oh, i think flat I tires that. me flipped it off um and then continued to run for another four miles ish <laughs> and it was down in Furman, um and there was it was on a golf course with a lot of cart paths and running through the woods with like acorns <laughs> i mean my foot was bloody <laughs> It was ugly. It was a mess. And I dropped out of that race and I was so angry at myself, but at everything. Yeah. And that was like that, you know, one of those defining moments in your, in your career where you know that this is a serious sport, but it's not that serious. And you look back on that moment and you're like, man, why was I so angry? And, <laughs> you know, because it, it was such a big deal to me at the time, you know, and that was why I was mm. so angry. And I got that, but I, you know, after that, I kind of made a deal with myself, like, all right, you gotta, you can keep with this sport, but it's gotta be fun. Um, so we've not never gotten there yet. Or again, it just, I don't know. You can't, I can't take it that seriously anymore. So, yeah. Right? It's just not healthy basically. So that was kind of a good, like learning moment in the sport, I guess. Well, when you look back on it, especially, you know, you were kind of, Learn it was yeah it was a defining moment in my career and a good learning moment um and it it actually like propelled me into track season that year and then i ended up uh getting all american in track and in steeplechase kind of because of that moment I was so right. angry and yeah. it, it, it just gave me that extra motivation to really work hard in the fall or the spring yeah. toward that toward that track and field goal um and my coach she's always said um, that was Jerry Smith. He's always said since then, that was my, my greatest coaching moment was, you know, yeah. coaching you to that, that all American yeah. from where you had been during cross country season. Wow. Yeah. Cool. That uh, kind of rolls us into another question. Go ahead. <laughs> what motivates you when things start to suck? Well, luckily it's not the anger anymore. <laughs> Trading on acorns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, no, now it's just, you know, that, that love of the sport, um, every year since then, it's like, I've always like, like the enjoyment of the sport has always grown and I've been able to look at it in different ways, um, in, in healthy ways and make sure that it's always been fun. And so it's really that enjoyment. It's like, that's what keeps me going. Also, you know, the yeah. hard work and doing something that's you're really proud of in the end, that accomplishment feeling. Um, and that's what keeps me going. So cool oh and beating other people <laughs> <laughs> anyone who's doing western states hopefully listening to that <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your taper strategy for the week or two before a big race um um well like it's going to be different for western states it's a little bit longer i like to do about a three-week taper for western um or for like a long hundred miler anyway just to make sure that i'm really I really want to be very rested going into a hundred miler shorter race. You can, you can kind of peak and sharpen 
without being all the way tapered and all the way rested. And so those are always going to be a little bit different. They're usually about a week long or so, and I'll kind of rest into a big, uh, a big shorter distance race. Um, and just make sure I'm fresh. Um, but for a long race like this, I want to make sure my body is hundred percent. It's really well rested. And so it'll be a kind of a three week taper off, um, decreasing volume throughout those three weeks and just trying to reduce that stress level, um, kind of go about 70, 80 miles, uh, third week out, um, about 50 to 60 miles. And then about 30 miles that last week before the race. So. Still doing workouts. Yeah, I'll still pop a couple workouts in there. Yep. Um, this year is a little bit different. Um, generally, I'll try to keep in quite a few of those like higher performance or higher intensity workouts going into longer races. And I, in the past, I say the last only two that I've ever done back in 2014, 16. So it's been a light while. And I figured, you know, I've been doing that the last few years and I didn't need that going into this race. Um, and so I haven't been doing a lot of like higher intensity type workouts. There's some tempo runs in there. There's a couple of like lower race efforts, like a 10 miler that I did here in Bend, things like that, that are, you know, I'm obviously working harder, mm -hmm. um, but I'm not like focusing on doing like 800 meter repeats and things like that at right. this point. I just don't feel like I need it. I know that that plays into your fit overall fitness level. Um, but I also have a really big background in that too. So right. I'm kind of focusing on that aerobic capacity, focusing on the fatigue resistance in the legs and making sure I can make it through that, that mileage. Right. Cool. If you could compete in any non-running sport in the Olympics, what would it be? Ooh. Uh, rhythmic gymnastics. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, non-run, um, it would probably be, either mountain biking or downhill skiing. Mm, nice. nice. Both good big, ones. Big skier. Yeah, I've always been a big skier, so I really yeah. like like doing that and like watching that in the Winter Olympics. Both definitely. So it'll be giant slalom kind of thing? Yeah, or downhill. Giant downhill. Yes, or, or downhill. You like the speed? I do, yeah. You like going fast. Yeah, cool. speed's fun, yeah. Yeah. The other one would be fun would, would be uh, speed skating. Long that track looks amazing, track. Yeah. yeah. The long that track or the short incredible. or both? both yeah I, I just like that yeah short track would be you know insane yeah uh, but a lot of fun but i like the the idea of long track though too i, lo I love watching the long track and seeing, seeing yeah. the rhythm they get into it's just it's it's so smooth it's great yeah yeah it's cool uh they have big thighs though huge thighs oh no <laughs> yeah, huge thighs yeah <laughs> do you play a musical instrument and if not what do you wish you could play mm, i don't um, but I do wish that I could play the bass guitar. Yeah. One that I've always wanted to like learn and, and play. Yeah. Every band always needs a bass guitarist. That's right. They do. I mean, you're not center stage, but you can, you can, you know, you're needed. So, yeah. All right. Who would play you in a movie based on your life? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> funny thing. I think it'd have to be Mark Wahlberg. Because we look right. fairly similar. <laughs> you guys okay, do right? look kind of similar. <laughs> like people have said that before. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can kind of see that. So I guess it kind of have to be him. All right, right? good. We'll, good. Co we'll contact his agent. Yeah, please do. <laughs> do we make this happen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he's maybe a little angrier than, than I am. <laughs> but. I got an easy one for you, and I think I know the answer. Roads or trails? Trails. Yeah, it's, yeah. I like the roads. I like running fast, but... And I, I just enjoy the trails yep. a lot more. Cool. 
How many people do you get that say Rhodes? Well, we mix it up. We don't ask that question all that often. Oh, okay. All right. yeah. yeah. But some people do. I mean, Ellie yeah. Pell said Rhodes. Um, who else did we have on? Oh, Pat Regan uh, okay. said Rhodes. Yeah, we, we have a couple. I mean, when, we, when someone like yourself who's had success at both, it's always an interesting question. Although yeah, following sure. you on Instagram and stuff, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious which way you, uh, which yeah, way you lean. I can see that. Yep. Yeah. Um, what is your go-to pre-race meal? Um, I don't really have one, honestly, but usually I do something lighter like pasta with, you know, pasta dish with some veggies and stuff like that. But I don't really have anything that's very specific. It's kind of whatever's laying around and whatever's available. So yeah, yeah, not, not big on the, the dieting stuff. So. No, that's, yeah. that's good not to have to be, you know, married to something necessarily that you, you know, and sometimes you run into more problems than, you know, than it's worth if you, if you can't get it. Yeah, we try to keep things simple, I think. So. Yeah. If your local race doesn't have a uh, teppanyaki bar, then, you know, it's like you got problems. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it, I mean, I've traveled with people like that, right? They're running yeah. around to the grocery store the night before the race trying to find like... I need a volcano sp- shrimp. Sp- yeah, specific <laughs> rice or whatever. And you're like, dude, just eat what the hotel has. Like, Yeah. yeah. Every every time we go to a race, Phil spends the first two hours we're in town at the Whole Foods. <laughs> we're, we're in Whole Foods for freaking 90 minutes every time. <laughs> Now I just get pizza. <laughs> What's your favorite beer? Favorite beer is like stout, bar none. It's got to be a stout. I don't have a particular stout that I like have to have, but it's got to be a dark beer. So All right. Stout. Although I will say, so you probably tried this, the Sam Smith chocolate stout. Mm-hmm. That's all. Oh, that's Yeah, delicious. I love those. That's Especially nice. in the winter, I like those. Yeah. I, I, I mean, Guinness probably is kind of like that, that one that, I'm going to go to if it's on, if it's around. Sure. Yeah. Yep. All righty. What changes do you see in ultra over the next five to 10 years? Oh man. Um, You know, hopefully not too many. Um, I like the sport where it's at right now. I, I like the feel of it. I, you know, people, this is, this is a whole nother topic that we could get into for a whole nother hour actually. But you know, there's a lot of people out there who are kind of, you know, don't feel right about, uh, the money coming into the sport, the bigger, the bigger races, um, particularly like UTMB and stuff that have, you know, really embraced like that commercialism of the sport, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I have to say, like, I I can't be both ways. Like that helps us as athletes, Mm -hmm. um, that side of things. And so I can't say I, I don't, you know, I, I don't like that because that's kind of what allows me to continue to do what I like to do and get out on the trails as kind of like a job. Um, and so I appreciate what that's doing for the sport. I also really like, I find more enjoyable, like those small local races like escarpment that are very much regional or local and very low key do not have that commercialism surrounding it. Don't have the big expo the day before, but you show up to the start line, you know, somebody says, go, you run the course, uh, you know, it was marked by the race director, you finish and you hang out on the grass at the finish line, cheering the other runners in and you have, you know, a beer and a burrito at the finish line and you just hang out there with your friends. Like, I like that atmosphere. Do I think that's going anywhere anytime soon? No. I mean, I think there's room for both. And I think that there, there always will be, 
And so that's what I appreciate the, about the sport is the, the dynamics between those bigger races like UTMB and the smaller races that we have on the local scale. Um, and there's something going to be there for everybody. Uh, and so I, I really like that. Um, and so I hope that not a lot changes in the next couple of years. Awesome. It's great to hear somebody with your perspective and, and, you know, be honest about, you know, what it means for somebody at the top of the sport. Um, but also, you know, have, you know, that appreciation for kind of the grassroots and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I love that feel. I love that aspect of it, but yeah. knowing that those big races also inspire a lot of other people as well. Yeah. Like we need them because they're, they're helping pay our way, but um, it does inspire a lot of people. I talk to a ton of people around here that are like, yeah, I just want to make it to UTMB. It's like, you know, it's kind of like the Boston um, of the trail world. And right. so it inspires a lot of people to just do a hundred miler, which is super cool. Well, yeah, it, it sounds like you're going to be right at home at the start line of Barkley with Phil and all the other nut jobs. Cool. <laughs> yes. And then at the escarpment trail run, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Now for escarpment for sure. Max, this was really great. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us tonight. And uh, good luck at Western States, man. We're looking yeah. forward to it and, and wish you all the best. Thanks, man. This was really fun. My pleasure for uh, coming on. It's awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Phil, thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening out there. And until next time in the pain cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Broken down and beaten up. The years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead. Happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head. I'm not jaded, just been faded like a good old pair of jeans. Rusted like a proud old car that's drove a little too far and seen too much rain. But long ago, as a child, I looked back. the bus feel upset to think of all the years I'd have to go through there I was still young I was still young